Hi there, I'm Emma Kiesling. And I'm Sydney Allen. And this is Uncovering Publishing, the UCL Publishing Podcast. Today we have Polly Smith, events executive at The Bookseller. After graduating from Newcastle University with a degree in English literature, Polly interned for the Publishers Association before moving over to The Bookseller as an events coordinator. Clearly not busy enough, Polly also joined the Society of Young Publishers as a UK events officer before being promoted to her current role of events executive. We actually have Polly to thank for this podcast as we are volunteers at Future Book, one of the many events she runs with the bookseller, when we were inspired to start uncovering publishing by their many panels. Now she's in the midst of playing the British Book Awards, also called the Nibbies. Polly, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thank you. Yeah, we're really (laughs) excited to have you on. Uh, We'll go ahead and start with our icebreakers. Uh, So what is your favorite book to give as a gift? Oh, I was so happy when you um, sent me this question, actually, as like a pre-context thing, because I spoke to one of my good friends about a book I gifted her. Oh my gosh. And that's going to be my answer. So my favourite book to gift is called The Bees, and it's by an author called Laline Paul or Laline Paul. I've never heard that I name used in contact. So have you read it? <laughs> yes. It's really? so good. And she, I gave it to her when she was going for a really crappy time. And she spoke to me about it literally last week and said that book changed how I saw everything for about four weeks after reading it. And I was like, well, that's the best gift I've ever given as a book, you know? Oh my goodness. It's totally a book of like, this changed my brain chemistry and I can't necessarily articulate why. What is it about? It's about a bee. I think she's called <laughs> Flora like 312 or something. Oh. And um it is how a hive works, but it's a sort of allegory for how we work as a as a society that aren't bees. She's <laughs> um, trying to find her place in her hive. Maybe. Yeah, and you know, um, I've never read another book by her, and I really need to go back and see if there are other ones out there. I'm not sure if you have either. I haven't, and I really thought that book was a deep cut. Mm-hmm. I hadn't heard about it for years because I must have read it when I was 18 or 19. That oh was like goodness. years ago, yeah. and now I've heard a couple people mention it in like the last year. So. Yeah. I think the cover sold it for me because I was mm. like, it was it's so beautifully yellow, foiling of like a honeycomb. And so as soon as you saw it in the shelf, and then I read, turned the back and it's like Margaret Atwood quote. I'm, like, I'm in. Uh, I'm so <laughs> <sold>. in. <laughs> Amazing. I, one of my other friends just said they got sold on the book because Margaret, Margaret Atwood blurbed <laughs> it. So Margaret Atwood blurbs. Yeah. It's the like way those extra four words that yeah. you just thank your publisher for getting in. You're like, forward by Ali Smith? Instant. I'm buying that instantly. Yeah. All right, well, nice choice. Next one is one book you'd like to see on the screen. This is so hard, actually. And you know, I'm going to slightly nod to what um, David Shelley said in a podcast recently, because I thought he was dead on the money. Why has a Donatart book not been um, adapted, Ooh. right? And so it's not my idea. It's definitely, <laughs> maybe Hachette should get on that. They're already thinking about it, clearly. But no Donatart stuff has been adapted in that way that's really hit. And I've actually really struggled with Donatart books. I just couldn't finish more than about a third i think if they adapted it i'd i'd be so in to give it a go again um but if it was actually my answer like something that i would love to see adapted is a book by um the late brian catling who died like last year um called the vor and it's about a forest in an unnamed african country and it follows lots and lots of different characters including a cyclops an archer an astronomer and it's almost nodding to William Blake in its style. It's very Mervyn Peak, And um, I would love to see that adapted. And like someone who's really kooky, like some A24 director getting really involved in it. <laughs> that would be like my pipe dream of a film. No one would watch it. 
just me just me watching it on my own but it would be amazing like I think it'd be super good this is like when you become a billionaire and you're producing something yeah. and you find the perfect indie director to make this book completely like where's Gore Babinski get him in like something like that would be exactly what I needed I will say it's true about the Donna Tarp books that they're such big bestsellers and usually mm. when a book hits that level of best like consistent bestseller you get something right and, and like so they're true. almost selling the third book being like already option for HBO, which I see a lot more than I yeah. used to. Yeah, no, nothing. I like if there has been an adaptation, it's been small and maybe not successful. And it's and not like it. you couldn't like. Right. I'm thinking of other <laughs> well, it just seems especially right now. She's like even having a resurgence on, like, uh, what secret, secret history? history. Yeah. So it would be like Ten the years. perfect time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. It's, so, the timing's right. Right. You could just fill that time in between. Mm-hmm. So like anyone out there, I'm sure all the people that published on the title are like, yes, we've been telling <laughs> them for years. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I'm a snob, and I think that there's other dark academia that would go to screen much better <laughs> than Secret History. But we can we can cross that bridge when it comes. All right. So, what is your favorite media at the moment that's not a book? Uh, I I actually have been going to the cinema way more, like okay. way way more. Um, I got like a gift for Christmas that was a year of Movie Go, which is um, like a selected cinema ticket for free. Um, and you you get to go to nice independent cinemas in London as well. So I feel like I've been going to see a cinema showing like every week, and that never happens. Maybe once a month, once every two months. Yeah. So I've been solidly watching like all the Oscars nominees. Basically, I think impressively consistent. Month, right? I think yeah. you had mentioned you were going to see The Whale yes. last time, and I was like, which oh. was in my eyes a film. Yes. <laughs> my review. <laughs> it was not what I wanted it to be. No. I wanted it to be a play. It's, it's based um, on a play, right? And mm-hmm. you watch it, and you're like this should, I don't know if this is quite what people are expecting. However, it was so, it was entertaining. Like it got me crying. It got it me It looked like, very emotional. Laughing. It got me like covering my mouth at certain points as well. Cause it was really, it's quite shocking at times, but I still don't think it's any better than like. I have to say, I have seen. no idea what it's about. Who's in it. Couldn't yeah, tell so, you. Okay. Moby Dick question Brendan mark? Fraser yeah. from The Mummy. You know that guy, like the really, really, he was, it was ages ago, so he doesn't look like that anymore. He's obviously a little bit older. And what they've done Killed is it. Darren Aronofsky's put him in a big suit, like a big fat suit, and the whale is referring oh, to him yeah. because he has kind of I've seen lost that someone for this. in his life and then it's kind of gone AWOL and he's eaten a lot. Yeah. So obviously there's lots of critique of it, like some people being like, are fat, should fat suits actually be used anymore? Could you not just mm. hire someone in who looks like that? And they were like, well, it's not the point. It's artistic. And there's a lot of discussion. I don't think I actually have an answer about what they do. <laughs> yeah. But all I can say is I don't think it was my favorite. Go and see Tar. That's the film. Really? Yes. I'm so sad that I've seen it so early in the year because it's my top <laughs> film of the year. It's so good. Because that's oh. the one film that's playing at the cinema close to me. And I just, I haven't been like inspired to go yeah. recently. I saw an SNL skit recently that was going through all the big actors and actresses uh-huh. and like, this is up for Oscars. What is this person in? And the bit was that nobody knew what these films were. No one had seen them. <laughs> Everyone was like, come on, Kate, like, you know, Kate Blanchett, of course I'll see anything she's in. And then they say the name and they're like, don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, right. There's something sort of, you know. I think for me, it was just such a good looking film as well as a great story. Okay. Like, obviously the whale was too, but I don't think the story was as strong. Mm-hmm. And it felt like so timely. Tar just felt like it had to come out now and it had to like had to be Kate Blanchett. It had to be like styled by that same person. I want to wear pantsuits everywhere now. Like that <laughs> film was so good. 
but it's not going to be for everyone and I don't think it's going to win like the big Oscar or anything like that sadly mm. I hope it does I think it's going to go to Banshees to be fair but okay awesome <laughs> our last icebreaker question is mm. what comp would immediately make you bid on a new book oh my god this was my favorite question yeah. Um, because I obviously don't really do commissioning in my mm -hmm. job. And I do know people that do commissioning, but very few. <laughs> so maybe I'm a bit skewed, but sometimes when I read like the comps on the back of books when I'm buying them, I love when they relate it to things like film and TV, right? But what I don't see enough is like people relating it to like maybe painters, like paintings or artists, right? Who have like a really good style and mindset. So like if you were making... Um, a, or if you were um, packaging a book or editing a book that was really fantastical or mysterious, like why could you not put something like for fans of Leonora Carrington? And like maybe something like if it was um, <laughs> a millennial kind of style book where someone was like, like my year of rest and relaxation, right? Why could you not put something like if Tracy Emin's The Bed was made into a book, <laughs> right? That's what I'd spend my money on. I'd okay. be like, oh, someone's taking a risk and appealing to like a very good reader, like a very niche reader. I'm in on that. You could do the same with albums, right? You could be like, have you just listened to Olivia Rodrigo all summer? Read mm -hmm. this. Yeah. That is actually right? probably one of the more interesting so responses interesting. that we've got. That is, <laughs> maybe I that's because that. I don't work in commissioning. So every commissioning, I'm just like, no, I'd never do that. No, because that doesn't sell. But, I, but even when we're talking about blurbs, usually mm -hmm. if we think a blurb is really good or if the blurb actually gets us to buy the book, it's because there's something really specific in it, not because yeah. of how perfectly crafted it was or whatever. Totally. I feel like now, and I've, I've said this a lot, and obviously I'm talking about film, but not working in that industry, I actually try not to read blurbs till the end anymore. I try to read oh. like the first two or three lines and then I'll give it a go if it's like there because it's a bit like watching um, a film and seeing the big 15 rating come up and then seeing what's in the film and so I feel like I'm anticipating those things in the story and I'm like sat there waiting to see oh it says there's like a, a, no, a murder in this I'm gonna wait and sit and like try and predict it and yeah. it takes me out of it so sometimes I feel like a blurb takes me out we spoke about it in um, our book club actually at the bookseller yesterday that, have you read Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow? Oh, right? No, it's and I know we should, because it's like, such a like, I will, the, I the promise. The quote itself is from a Shakespearean tragedy. Yeah. Tragedy, that's a hard word. And um, on the blurb, it says the word tragedy, linking that back, right? So the whole time I was reading this book going, where's the sad bit? Like, yeah. I was I was predicting it. So I think actually it pulled me out. I loved the book, by the way. I'm not, <laughs> not slated. It was, it was absolutely amazing. But I think, like, I'm much more interested in a quote than a big blurb because it allows me to like still be mysterious about this book one of my favorite things. yeah one of my favorite things about more ya or fantasy or sci-fi books is when they put a quote from it on the back mm. instead of the blurb but i will say if i'm looking at nonfiction in particular then i like a good blurb that's like that's okay here's what this book is doing and is going to tell you so i do really appreciate it with the nonfiction fiction but i definitely agree that with fiction it can definitely spoil way too much yeah. like i remember and this is a really common one crescent city the sarah j mouse book mm. gives away like a huge <laughs> plot point you can't yeah. read the blurb if you want to be surprised i sort of feel that way as well when you're buying a book let's say you're a bit behind the the curve or you haven't got it when it came out and um, there's a couple of sequels out after that if you're picking it up from the bookshelf the one next to it that you might go to buy together will probably say the ending of the first book that drives me nuts as well yeah. like Obviously, it's it's inevitable because you're trying to get the reader back, but for that new reader, it's like whoops. <laughs> no, that's infuriating because yeah. <laughs> you've just ruined everything. Yeah, yeah. it's oh. sometimes like watching a trailer too late, right? 
Totally. That's it. You're like, oh, God damn it, I missed that. Well, there's some trailers like that, too, where you watch the trailer and you're like, cool, now I don't need to see the movie because I've seen the trailer and everything. I, like, oh, my I God, you totally just made just... me think of something as well. I was talking to, shout out to Zenny at Nosy Crow, because she used to work in film and TV as well. And she mentioned this, and I don't know why we don't do it. But in films, they used to have this thing where you have mini trailers. And they do it sometimes on YouTube. You know, you'll see a trailer come up and they'll do like a flash of 10 seconds of the trailer, then the title card, then a three-minute trailer, right? Have you seen that? I've seen a couple of those. So they used to do it on TV where they would do lots of mini 10-second trailers in one advert role. Like one Mm mid-roll, you'd get like four mini trailers. Why are publishers not doing that with like books, maybe? Like how cool would it be to buy some mini roll like spaces and then put some book like trailers in there for the same book so you're almost overtaking so like you know netflix is going to bring out ads any day soon they've got a subscription service now right yeah their ads are only going to be 15 or 30 seconds long but honestly i find ads for books so rarely get me right you know what i'm saying i think it's really hard to put a book Mm. into something visual when there hasn't been a whole production around it to specifically make that's that. Fair. That's fair, yeah. Do you know who's good at it, though? Wasn't, a guy came in from Duckworth. I can't remember his name. And oh, I love Duckworth. Yes, and <laughs> I think, was it for Hester? The, I can't even remember. But he showed us a, a book trailer. Mm. I actually thought it was really well done. Yeah, the best um, one I've seen, and I wonder if you can still look it up, or maybe email the publisher, because I'll send it, is I love the Thursday Murder Club one. They went full old-style crime, like Cluedo kind of look. Um, and that's really a good one for a book to like, trailer to be fair you know like those old trailers like the good life oh yeah just, that like, does like, going around the f- it felt very yeah. much like that and i think that could be something really interesting yeah. and it's almost like when people um talk about tiktok now so much and publishers don't put ads on like tiktok don't put like a trailer that's kind of a way that you could maybe think about it differently like how can you put like the illustrated stuff up there and then it becomes an ad like how can you say look at how the cover was created and look at how we've made this trailer like that would be better. Well, I was going to say a positive thing about TikTok when you're not trying to look at blurbs and mm. you you are on BookTok, people will recommend books in more of a word of mouth way. So they'll say, oh, it reminded me of this. It had these tropes that I liked. It was X, Y, and Z without giving the things away that the blurb will. Yeah. So it, it's a motivation to look at mm-hmm. online, TikTok, Twitter, whatever, to find books instead of looking at blurbs. All right, yeah. we got to we gotta get into our main, <laughs> no, sorry, our main questions. <laughs> All right, so you're in events. It's a really mm-hmm. interesting sector of the publishing industry, especially given that your events are sponsored by the bookseller, who've arguably been the leading business magazine of the book industry since the 1850s. So it's been a long time. It's been at the forefront. Um, in general, as far as events go, what inspired you to go into events? How did you get to where you are now? Oh, that's a really good question. And I feel like uh, it's a really niche way to get into. So I didn't do a degree in publishing, but I did do a degree in English literature. And when I got to my third year, it was only then I suddenly realized, oh, maybe I do want to work with books. I would <laughs> kind of go, maybe I want to be a teacher. Maybe I want to go and do something else, theater, all of that. And then it hit and I was like, nah, it's going to be books, isn't it? And I looked at the publishing industry through just Google's lens and was thinking, God, this is really quite elite and challenging to get into. And I knew that my strong suit wasn't necessarily a formal interview. Something like this, actually, where you were settled and just having a chat is a much better way for me. So I looked at events I could go to to speak to people. And the biggest one I could find was Frankfurt Book Fair. So I bought a ticket to Frankfurt Book Fair and I went out to Germany. (laughs) 
Oh to my make goodness. Friends. So I, I made loads of business cards that literally said student, nothing else. They <laughs> had nothing going and uh, a couple of CVs. And it was the bookseller stands that I was just drawn to. It was like the second stand. The first one, funnily enough, was the Publishers Association that you mentioned mm. earlier as my internship. So I met the bookseller there and they said, oh, brilliant, you know, take, let me take a business card. And actually next month we've got a conference called Future Book and we always take student volunteers there. Would you like to come along? I said, yeah, brilliant, let's book it in. So I went to their event. And when I was there, I was actually I was just really enjoying it so much. And someone, a delegate pulled my now manager, Emma, over and said, I really like this like student. What are you going to do to keep her hold of her? And Emma said, I agree. Actually, Polly, what do you want to do? And I just said, I'd love to do this. That's it. Because this event has been amazing. I'd love to do it. Yeah. So It is an amazing yeah. event. Can you yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we it's loved amazing. it. I, that was so nice to nod to your podcast just earlier. So nice. Like that, <laughs> when you told me in my office, Sydney, I was like, what? <laughs> That's incredible. Um, yeah, so I uh, just kept coming back. I went back to Newcastle Uni and just kept emailing and saying, can I do some more work? Can I do some more work? And I kept coming in on my breaks and I took some time off uni actually to go and do some extra work for them, like a couple of weeks here and there. And then I graduated and the opportunity to like be the events coordinator and interview for that job came up. So I went for it and that was it. It was like, cool, that you've got enough experience with us and the job is there. So let's 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 go. And oh that was God. it. <laughs> really That's reminds amazing. me of, we had Darren Kieran on a couple podcasts mm-hmm. ago. He mentioned that the formal interview process and giving someone your CV is probably one of the worst ways to introduce yourself to a person Literally. or get them to understand who you are and what you're good at. And yeah. pretty much any other way to ingratiate yourself is going to be more effective. So it's very understandable. Right. And like, I, I think as you go further on in your career in any industry, you sometimes find that those interview processes are not like entry-level ones. They are more of a conversation mm-hmm. because there's such specialist um, subjects by that point that you're, you're maybe interviewing a smaller bunch, but also you probably know them because you're getting so specialised that right. it would be weird to ask them those icebreaker questions because you've seen their experience <laughs> and all that. So I think it does, it does get better. As they say. I just love that you were like, I want a job in publishing. I'm buying a ticket to Germany. (laughs) Because it really is those leaps. That's what you have to do in a way. It's again, yeah, like Dan said, his advice was find out where they drink after work. And (laughs) And I can tell you now, there's like a good pub after London Book Fair if you guys are looking to like. London Book Fair is is tough. It's if you're not necessarily um, like an agent or or in a job Mm -hmm. in publishing already, it is quite hard to find those conversations, right? But there's a pub around the corner, and for the life of me, I can't remember the name. It's the nearest pub. <laughs> and they, everyone goes there after London Book Fair. That's and you'll brilliant. quite often meet SYP people there as well. So it's that's the best way to meet people there. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. <laughs> uh, all right. So while I was working with you for a short stint at the book sale, you were kind of running me through all of the data that you guys had pulled. Mm-hmm. And I was actually really surprised by how much data analysis you do as an events person. Um, can you explain how you gather and use this information when you're marketing for future events? Yeah, of course. So when we ask people um, a, a few bits when they buy their ticket, it's it's usually used to help us target the next conference. So we might ask you, where are you from? What, what part of the industry? And someone might say agent or charity. That will stay in our database so that next year when we're looking, what do people want from our our conferences we go oh actually there's more agents coming so maybe we should get someone in to talk about licensing 
So we might then look to someone like Hasbro or you know Disney and get them in to talk about how that's moving. Um, or if it's an agent, it might be about pitching and like selling. It's, it's, it's really about um, like pandering to our audience, making sure mm -hmm. they're happy and getting the most out of our conferences. Yeah. That's great. It's so interesting because we do hear a, a lot of the roles that people will first do when they go into publishing is going to be kind of data related. Yeah. So it's it's cool to hear how effectively it can be used. Sometimes it just sounds like, oh, data. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think actually the bookseller prides himself on being that database there as well, mm -hmm. because the charts data we put into our magazines and put online becomes those shelves you see at WH Smith about who's selling the most, you know. So it does go into the real world. And that's why people subscribe to us because they go, oh, someone's done the work for me. I know where to put stuff on Monday morning. So it's Kira, who is our charts editor, Kira O'Brien, and she um, also keynoted at our children's conference. And it was all about data. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. All right, you've worked for three major publishing-centered groups, Publishers Association, uh, Society of Young Publishers, SYP, and The Bookseller, but you haven't worked directly for a publisher. Mm. What kind of perspective has this given you on the industry as a whole working around these places instead of inside them? That's a really good question. I feel like when you look at those um, companies, the one thing they have in common is trying to really stay objective whilst caring for the industry a huge amount. So as a news organization, a bookseller, you have to make sure that you are representing everyone and that you are there to be a journalist, really. I mean, that doesn't touch on my side of the, the work, but when we're looking at conferences, it's got to be measured. And the same with Publishers Association, right? They are getting um, right into the government and legislation and making sure that everyone is getting the best deal. And then SYP too, like how can we make sure every region of the UK is there? So I think it's given me like the mindset that I am looking at the industry as an industry, it's really a business. But I think the sad thing about it is that when I tell people I work in publishing, they're like, oh, what have you published? And I'm like, nothing. <laughs> That's really, it's like, I, I can't say that I've had a hand in making a book, even though my day-to-day -day is about books. Um, so yeah, I guess I am missing that little bit of like seeing a manuscript come in and then seeing it edited and then maybe seeing like some proofs going out and getting them in the media's eye. It's its an odd way to like enter or, an industry. I mean, arguably you're just on the other side of the book's life. Once mm -hmm. it comes out, you're giving, you're putting it in front of people yeah. and situating it correctly in the world, in the industry, which is uh -huh. just as important. I the like second that. part of like your life. And, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, um, it's, we, we always say at the bookstore that we're at the center of the book trade. And mm -hmm. I think that's the best way to describe where I've started. And I don't think it's a bad thing. Like as, as someone who might be looking for a job in publishing, starting really broad has been really helpful for me. It's the way I've met the most people because if I went really specialist all of a sudden, I might be you know, on my desk and not leaving it for the next few years. I'm not getting to go out and do those bits, but because it started so broad, I am chatting mm -hmm. to like, like today I chat to the small press and then a bookshop and then I'm getting in touch with The Guardian. And it's like, it's all these really exciting things because it's so broad. Yeah, that's a good point. Pretty cool. Um, we have kind of touched on this a bit, but um, we were wondering if you could talk us or walk us through your career progression 
Um, maybe we could start with the Publishers Association and what you did with them. Was that prior yeah. to SYP? And it was prior okay. to SYP. So I um, met them also at Frankfurt. And Amazing. actually the person on the stand was Sile Edwards, who's now a literary agent. And I have so much to thank Sile for because she said, oh, you've got to apply for this little short-term role we're doing. And I said, oh, yeah, that would be amazing. And I applied for it and I didn't get it. And I was so sad because I thought, oh, no, I thought I was, I was like, you know, I was qualified. And she went, you were, it's just you weren't the right fit. However, would you like to come in and work for a week with us towards our work in publishing week? Because oh. we've got loads of social media stuff to do and it'll be in our office. So it will count as office experience. And she really helped me find a way into a publishing office. Mm -hmm. And then when I got there, I loved it and it was so nice. Ended up buying like biscuits to say thank you for everyone on the last day. That's good advice. Always buy biscuits for publishers (laughs) on your last day. And I also managed to go to an event in the evening. Sile took me to Books Are My Bag Readers Awards, which was amazing. And I I can't, I I go to it every year now because I fell in love with that (laughs) event. And um, yeah, that was what I did. I worked for a week and it got me started. And it was a really nice way to like take a break from uni too. <laughs> and it was manageable. Yeah, I loved it. I think you're giving really excellent examples of kind of working around the system that mm. everybody knows. Um, because I think the CV approach, not only is it not the best way to do it, but it's also just can be really discouraging. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this is a really, I think, just great advice for different ways that this can be approached. And I'll also say when you talk to older people in the industry who've mm-hmm. been in it for a mm-hmm. long time, they say, oh, don't don't go that traditional route. Find your own way around it. But then it's hard for them to be specific because yeah. mm-hmm. I've heard a couple of times actually, oh, I just started off as a secretary applying to a random newspaper interview or something. And maybe that's not as realistic now, but these are good examples of ways that you can do that. Yeah, right. absolutely. That's really nice. I'm glad it's paying off. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so after Publishers Association, you went into SYP. Could mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. So um, I had actually like had people getting uh, getting in touch with me to ask if I was going to do anything SYP because I think it's a rite of passage in the publishing industry to be a part of it at some point. Um, and obviously working in events, I thought, brilliant, yeah, I can do that. And I worked with SYP UK because the events were going to be virtual. And I thought, that's where I've got a lot of experience that other people might not have had. Um, because of the COVID pandemic. So um, I ran some online events after uh, chairing one of them before SYP, and I really enjoyed it. I worked so closely with uh, Michaela Callahan, who works at Bounce, and she is just brilliant. I can't, like, go and follow Michaela. She does so much cool stuff. Um, And I know she's still involved with the SYP, so you'll get all the news too. Um, Yeah, I, I really enjoyed working there. And then my sort of time came to an end because... Uh, the British Book Awards started again, so <laughs> it's a lot more going on now. <laughs> oh. Okay, well, moving on to the British Book Awards. Uh, as you mentioned, the bookseller operates really at the center of publishing. Um, could you tell us more about all of the different events they put on? I know I'm familiar with Future Book and then uh, the Nibbies, the British Book Awards, but you mentioned um, the children's one. I'd never heard of that. Before. Yeah, so we um, we ran we run the British Book Awards and that's been going for thirty years. I believe the the bookseller has run it for about ten years, um, and that is a celebration of the entire trade. So it's unique in that we have book awards and we have trade awards. So we might give an award like we did last year to Caleb Azuma Nelson for Open Water, but actually we also gave an award to Open Water for its marketing strategy. 
and we gave mm. that to the people that directly got it into the public eye and got it to, entered into the cost of the cause which it won so it's a really really uh, rare thing and we're really proud of it um there are 35 awards overall so it's a long night <laughs> but it's so great to see so many people in the in the room and last year it was the first time we were back for like three years after the uh, covid pandemic so it was big it was a big yeah. night um the other events we do we have a conference season and that um is three events so in june we have the marketing and publicity conference oh yeah which is really cool. really unique too so we um we get loads of marketers in from the industry and as i say people like licensing companies and um and we just all get together and talk about what's been really good can you give us a case study of your best campaign but also how is the market changing um and we might have um some really good keynote speakers in that are not from the industry um at our marketing publicity conference this year too we had um massage stations too and a nail oh my station. god yeah because we knew people amazing. needed it. Marketers work so hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, children's conference comes in September. And again, it's very similar, but we are looking at that children's market, yeah. right? And then Future Book finishes up the year, which is um, really looking at future trends in publishing. And it's a little bit broader. You know, we had Spotify in this time. We've had Google in the past, Lego as well this year, which you guys saw. Um, so we're really looking at other industries to teach us about what's coming and maybe especially with how you know you hear a lot in publishing about people shifting out of their jobs maybe agents moving into editorial editorial into agents and we want to look at has that happened in other industries and what happened as a cause of that you know so that's a really really interesting one to come to if yeah. you want to think really broadly about publishing mm -hmm. as a business. yeah it was it was really cool thinking about all the future trends mm -hmm. that were represented at future book as opposed to it sounds like the other ones that are more specific on the different yeah. parts of the industry i do have a question about Ooh. awards yeah we were talking about them in one of our classes a couple months ago now and we were talking about how a lot of them are shutting down mm -hmm. and how there aren't that many of them yeah. and how many of them are run by only one person who's yeah. trying to corroborate <laughs> all of these different titles and things. Why do you think that is? Do you think there need to be more awards, fewer awards? What's your take? That's a really good question. Actually, it's a really sad thing to see happening, yeah. especially as I'm also trying to find my way in this industry as quite a young person and going, well, no, it's shutting down a little bit. Um, but I think it comes down to um, funding a lot of the time, which is the easy answer, because that, I mean, if you lose a sponsor, you can't necessarily run it, especially if businesses um, like the bookseller who run the British Book Awards in a way, or um, like Rathbones who run Folio, if they lose that sponsorship, they can't always fund it themselves, even if they've got the people that are running it. And um, a lot of them are usually freelance too, so it's, it's really tricky to see that happening. Um, I, I don't think it's necessarily like a market change though. I do think okay. prizes sell books. Definitely. That's what was ironic to me. I felt like prizes make so much money on behalf of books, but the prizes themselves struggle to stay open and make money. And it's yeah. a weird imbalance. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. Great. Um, moving on from the events that you're putting on, kind of what your role is for those mm. events. Um, what are you doing? What's kind of like the back end of stuff? I know I was actually quite shocked. <laughs> When I was there, because we were filling, we were putting all of the tags into the what badges. They're like a, like a plastic like, kind of holder, yeah, yeah. right. And there were hundreds, and I was <laughs> just like, "It's just the two of you doing this, and you're also yeah. doing everything else for the event." That's crazy. So what else? 
yeah, you have to do. Honestly, it's so mixed. And I do, I feel like as an events person, you have to pride yourself on your adaptability, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but also you have to find joy in those small things. I actually yes. quite enjoy doing that job uh, because there is something really nice about seeing the event come together, like something physical happening, right. like putting name badges into the box and seeing them, brilliant. That's going <laughs> to be really rewarding. Um, but yeah, day to day, I I talk a lot with either our sponsors or our judges if we're doing the awards, and then possibly the delegates and the speakers if we're doing the conferences. So, mm-hmm. you know, are you happy if we call your speech this? Like, are you happy with this title? Um, or we talk to the sponsor and say, we've just announced this online. Would you platform that too and share that? Here's a little image you can share, like things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also, it might be that you're chatting to the venue and saying, I need six mics in this room at the same time. So you have lots of different things going on um and then i guess in the evening part of my job is like also i might go to events and meet people and just natter with them like we're doing so that in the future they might go oh you actually run an event i might go it's it's all a, a kind of word of mouth thing too so in yeah, you're kind of acting like your own publicity as yeah. well yeah. as running <laughs> absolutely because we do have obviously we do lots of marketing there as well but especially being with the bookseller word of mouth is a really good way to sell tickets and get people to come along um totally it seems like the book industry everybody knows somebody who knows everybody else (laughs) yeah right instead of seven what is it seven degrees of separation it's probably like one or two absolutely luckily in our industry we work with the celebrities and like talent so actually maybe you've got seven connections away from your favorite celebrity as well okay i love that (laughs) we were just talking about how for a lot of people we know who are trying to get into publishing authors have more of a celebrity vibe than Mm. some celebrities but at the same time (laughs) authors are far more easy to talk to and and they likely will respond to your email (laughs) yeah i know you're you're dead right i was um i've been at so many parties actually i've been chatting with someone i remember i was chatting at like a showcase and uh (laughs) i um i was just chatting away and i was like so why are you here and she's like oh i'm an author and i was like oh who are you an author and she's like i'm karen j fowler and i was like Wait, so you wrote, we are completely besides ourselves. And I never knew that was you. I think it's Karen. I might be, sorry if I'm getting your name wrong. You were lovely. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I just didn't realise. And her new book, Booth, was coming out. Mm. So I was like, oh. And sometimes you can be at these parties and not even know because authors are so lovely. What an elite form of fame. (laughs) Nobody knows what you look like. You can do whatever you want. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So broadening it a little bit we Mm -hmm. know what you do at these events what kind of events you put on if you were to be specific about what sort of skills are necessary for a career in events Mm. maybe events in general maybe events in publishing what kind of skills would you say to look for or or okay so I feel like you've got to be a good communicator Mm -hmm. because you're you're going to be talking to a lot of people for your job um whether that be pre-event or during the event, maybe even post-event, you are going to be talking to different groups of people. You need to be able to um, formulate an email that's going to get those points across in the quickest and most efficient way um, and be able to do it on the fly because something might have changed and you need to get through to them before five because they're leaving the office, no. (laughs) Um, But you also need to pride yourself in doing lots of different things too that aren't emails. So uh, as we were talking about packing tote bags or name badges and stuff like that and realizing that those are just as important as getting someone on stage because everything goes into the hole um i don't necessarily think you need to be like a you know a massive extrovert the people that are extroverts the events are going to be on the stage right it doesn't necessarily matter if you 
want to be someone that works really hard in the background. You don't have to be on the stage, right? So if you sometimes feel like you're a little bit nervous or a little bit quieter, that's okay. You can definitely have a, a job in events, but you, you need to be a good communicator. Or it sounds like way. if you're good at communicating more one-on-one or in mm. smaller groups as opposed to maybe talking in front of a bunch of people. Yeah, absolutely. I think the bookseller is unique in that quite a lot of our events, people are on stage. Like a lot of yeah. our uh, moderators are actually involved in the event too. But when you go to other conferences or other events, you do not see the people behind. We're just, we're just unique in that way that we, <laughs> we really, really like to, to see those panels work and, get, and are happy to get on stage to do so. I also think it sounds like people who maybe don't want to be doing the same thing every day at work yeah. would would really enjoy Definitely. it. Definitely. And I think also another thing just to add is that if you are someone that knows you like to see a project through to the end and actually see a big reward, events mm. is really good. Because there are some jobs out there that you might, you know, if you're working on a book, you could be working on a book for two years. But you could also be working on lots of other books and maybe that you don't quite get that. Um, reward at the end events is really rewarding because you get to see people enjoying it and then you're done you're like oh I don't need to talk about that for a year which is really nice actually because it allows you time to pull away and think of other ideas so that when you come back it's completely fresh Um, and that is really really nice about my job I actually really like that that does sound very rewarding Mm -hmm. and satisfying all right so final question and this is might be the more complicated one. <laughs> might be a couple um, more questions. Yes. Um, but can you give us a quick overview of the bookseller and what goes into each week's issue? Yeah, of course. So the bookseller itself is a publication um, that is at the center of the industry um, and it's been running since 1858. So we have real knowledge of it. We have done, we have made this magazine for a very long time. Um, it comes out weekly. Um, sometimes we have a couple of publishing breaks for Christmas and Easter and bits, but that's well quite common. Um, it comes out weekly, online and in print. You can't buy it in a shop, it is subscriber um, kind of content, so you get it in the post if you're buying physical. Um, it has lots of different sections. It has a news feature and some author profiles. It sometimes has spotlights too on different sections of our industry, so it could be, let's spotlight um, books about nature. And we reach out to different publishers saying, come and show your book in here and talk a bit about it. When's it coming out? Um, primarily, our audience is going to be people that have bookshops. That's why it's called the bookseller. So we also have chart data and we also have jobs at the back because a huge uh, platform is our jobs in books, um, which shows you guys all of the best opportunities to get into <laughs> Absolutely. publishing. Catch me on the jobs and books board. Yes, honestly. I, yeah, I follow yeah. that for sure. So it's, um, it's, yeah, it's not something you could go out and buy, but if you're someone in the industry, you are going to know about it because it's going to be in every office, every bookshop. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a really nice thing to read on the train home, which I'll be doing tonight. <laughs> um, one of my roommates, we get it in the post and mm-hmm. it's very fun when you get it, the physical one, and you can just like flip through it and see what's going on. She was mentioning, we were talking about last week's issue and she's like, oh, it'll make its way to me eventually. We'll see it, you know, in the kitchen and then it'll be in one of our rooms. Oh, and it'll be back around. For context, like... I subscribe online, right? But we figure like in the flat I live in, there's three of us, we only need one one edition of it so oh, it's yeah. very it's fun really, to really look nice. through I just thought that was so cute it like yeah. it makes its way around the flat yes it's it's the traveling book yes exactly. it used to be the so same in my flats I, my, my previous flatmate worked in publishing as well and he used to bring it home too for that exact same reason because she was just like I mean it's in the office can right. you just bring your copy I'm like, yeah <laughs> I'll bring it from my desk so my one used to kind of live at home for me to read <laughs> yeah. I love that 
All right. I don't think we have any more any more questions. Do you have anything you want to promote? Tell us a little bit more about the Nibbies or anything (laughs) you've got coming up. Yeah, I don't think I've got anything to promote myself, but there's some good dates for your diary, which is good. So on the 17th of March, we're going to be announcing the shortlist for the British Book Awards. So you can see all of the books that are up for it and also a showcase of talent in the publishing industry. And quite often people use it as like a directory of people that they can then go, oh, cool, I'm going to follow them and follow them (laughs) and keep in touch with them. And then the British Book Awards Night is on the 15th of May. And if you're not coming along in person, it's streamed online for free. So you can watch it along there. Um, and yeah, keep an eye out for the conference dates. They're coming soon. Excellent. <laughs> Wonderful. We're and I feel like I just it. have to mention, because we just found out, but if you do go in person to the British Book Awards, there's dancing. Yeah. <laughs> so top night. Total selling point. <laughs> People are begging to get tickets for that just yeah. for dancing. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming. Thank you. Thank you so much.